It's really easy to tell a story that you've never actually lived through. Dale Carnegie says if you're going to tell a story, whether it's for the purpose of an anecdote or to make a point or just to communicate, make sure that you have the three E's, that you've earned the right, you're eager to tell it, and you tell it with enthusiasm. But when you tell a story that you haven't lived through, that's called fiction or maybe fantasy. But it's a very artful way to manipulate. Welcome to Leading Leaders Podcast. Five-minute videos, five days a week. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast. Today's message might be a little long because there's something brewing up in my heart that just, well, frankly, it kind of bugs me. And that is that the idea that the coronavirus has brought so much destruction to the world and yet, and I know it, it seems like a conspiracy theory, but just hear me out. I, I don't personally know anyone who has it. I don't personally know anyone who's met anyone who has it. I don't personally know anyone who has met anyone who has lost a loved one to it. And yet, in a matter of two weeks, our world has been modified in its commercial practices in ways that had you asked us in January, would you submit to this? To drive through checkpoints where they can swab you for DNA and enter all your digital data at the same time. Would the mass American public have agreed to that? Probably not. If the mass American public had been asked to simply stop gathering, uh, yes, that is one of our constitutional rights. We have the Second Amendment, we have the First Amendment, and we have the amendment that gives us the right to gather peacefully in a public place. But we have a virus, so no gathering. And oh, by the way, the elderly, the senior people, um, they're kind of off limits right now because they're the most vulnerable section of our society. Again, I'm not trying to sound like a conspiracy nut, but in everything that I study, I always ask the question, why did it happen that way? And it seems ironic to me that those people who've been around, Judy Lebowski Pritchard and I have known each other, goodness, 20 years this year. 20 years. We started together in the sales office at GTE when it was still GTE. And we worked together right up till 2008 or 9. I met her dad a couple of times. That man in particular left this life for the next with numbers still on his arm. I've met face-to-face -face people who have rolled up their sleeves and shown me what it was like, told the stories first-hand account right out of their mouth, having lived through the Holocaust. But there's been an entire generation of people educated to the idea that the Holocaust was a myth that never really happened. And if the people who lived it firsthand and the books that talk about it firsthand have been eliminated or made obsolete or at least been questioned, how long will it take before there are no first-hand accounts of that tragedy for us to review and look back through and go, how did it happen and how could we prevent it from happening again? See, I have in my possession, and, and I take these as prized possessions, this particular one only cost me $20, still wrapped in plastic, it stays that way, talks to teachers on psychology 
and to students on some life ideals by William James. This book was published in 1910, meaning this is the book on teacher psychology to engage with students at the founding of the Industrial Revolution. This is what they taught teachers to deal with students in the classrooms about the same time that Henry Ford was revolutionizing the world in the automobile plants. It's what they were teaching students in the classroom and teachers to manage the classroom when Napoleon Hill wrote Think and Grow Rich. Same era. Some fascinating stuff in here. This one is from 1848. It was a book of sermons. It was published in the UK. <clears throat> and one of the things that he points out in the, in the very beginning of this book, I think is brilliant. <clears throat> now he's talking about theological ideas and that may not be relevant to all of you, but he says early on, whenever opposite views are held with warmth by religious minded men, we may take for granted that there is some higher truth which embraces both. All high truth and free will are opposite. Excuse me, all high truth is the union of two contradictions. Thus, predestination and free will are opposites, and the truth does not lie between those two, but in a higher reconcil reconciling truth, which leaves both true. So with the opposing views of baptism, men of equal spirituality are ready to sacrifice all to assert or to deny the doctrine of baptismal regeneration. And the truth, I believe, will be found not in some middle, moderate, timid doctrine which skillfully avoids extremes, but in a truth larger than either of these opposite views, which is the basis of both, which really is that for which each party tenaciously clings to its own as to a matter of life and death. The present occasion only requires us to examine three views. The real point he's making in that statement is that it is altogether possible for two people to view something where their ideas are so radically different from each other that it looks like from where they hold their views, there's no common ground at all. In fact, they would tenaciously fight and die to hold their views, which have no point of reconciliation in either of their minds. And yet the truth, the real truth, is at a higher level. The illustration would be standing at the foot of the Eiffel Tower saying, that leg, that's really the Eiffel Tower. No, that one over there, that, that's really the Eiffel Tower. No, 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 that one over there, that's really the Eiffel Tower. When the truth is, the pinnacle could never reach its height should the foundation not be so desperately apart from each other. It would simply fall over. But see, if we can't go back to 1848 and 1910 and ask the questions, what were the people then thinking? What was life really like? What was it they were experiencing? Why did they think that way? This one, this is just a storybook for kids. It's called Further Adventures of Molly, Wadi, and Tony. And they're, they're really about a tiger and two elephants. And you can tell it's a big giant print. It's made for kids. And this particular one was published in 1919. And in the first page it says I think I don't think Molly and Wadi and Tony ever did their trick so well as they did that morning in front of the large factory smokestacks see this is a world that escapes many of our young people today and it's really easy to lie to them if you can separate those from 
the old books that were written firsthand and, and from the people who lived it firsthand. And I have on video somewhere interviews that I did with my grandparents. My grandfather was 77 when he passed away before the year of 2000. My grandmother, his first wife, outlived him another 25 years. I have interviews with her as well. And I remember asking a very distinct question. Grandma, what was it like to live through the Depression? And a very lucid, very intelligent, very well-read, very well-loved woman looked at me with a wry smile on her face and she said, I'm sorry, honey, you'll have to remind me when was the Great Depression. And I said, it was a, a world economic collapse. I mean, the whole world suffered through the Great Depression. How could you not know when that was? And I told her. And she said, well, I would have been an early teenager then, but we lived in the country in East Texas. From the day I was born until the day I left there in my late teens, we raised our own animals. We raised our own vegetables. We rode a buggy back and forth to town. It used to take hours just to get to Dallas. I, I don't know anything about the Great Depression. It never impacted the world where I lived. See, that's not the view that many people have of the Great Depression. And until you sit down with someone who actually lived through it, you will not have the same knowledge and understanding that very sheltered, limited, published, accessible books are going to offer you. I want to challenge you. If you have kids, if you have grandkids, and your parents or your grandparents are still alive, every phone has the ability to do what I'm doing right now, and that is to record a video. And I challenge you to sit down with your grandparents and your great-grandparents and begin asking questions about what life was like in that season of life that you didn't experience, that moment, those eras, those decades before you were born, because there will be a day when you will be lied to about what happened. And if you don't have original source documents, if you can't go back to what actually happened in that moment, and not the redacted moments where everything is blacked out, in the, Har the Harvey Weinstein and the Jeffrey Epstein trials, we're seeing names that are coming up that we're going, oh my gosh, are they really involved? And then suddenly, <clears throat> suddenly the witnesses are no longer accessible. Suddenly the truth can no longer be sussed out. Suddenly things are happening on a global scale that cause us to change and, and refocus our attention. And we move from this pillar over here to this pillar over here. We begin investigating deeply the bolts and the rivets at the bottom of this leg of the Eiffel Tower, wondering, is that rivet the truth? Well, we haven't necessarily abandoned this leg, but we are asking, what's truth over here that is also impacting truth over here? What's happening on the global economic scale? Have you seen anything about the locust plagues in Africa right now? Hundreds of millions of dollars of crops destroyed by bugs? Did you know that? Have you even heard about it? Are you only aware that your Starbucks is closed and your Walmart is out of toilet paper? See, it's one thing about restricting gatherings is the ability to control the information that you have, because right now you only know what you're being told through the news, through your social media, through your circle of friends, and your circle of friends is shrinking. My friends, buy limited access. And as it does, your circle of information will shrink as well. And if you can't go back to source documents, to source relationships, and ask, what happened when? Then the information you have will be tightly controlled. Americans have mocked 
the Chinese media and said, well, they only released what they wanted you to know. The tongue-in-cheek irony is, do you really think the American media is doing any different? Go back and look. How long ago was the truth about Harvey Weinstein known? <clears throat> Why did it take so long to become public knowledge, to go to trial? How about Jeffrey Epstein? The man was actually convicted of charges over a decade ago. And he suffered no penalty. And then when he was caught, red-handed, hand in the cookie jar, suddenly he and the other important witnesses are no longer accessible to ask the question. I'm not saying that everything in the world is a conspiracy, but I am saying those who have the ability to hide information from you can most definitely manipulate the quality and the direction of your life. If you don't know where and how to find the sources, start today. Video recording and archiving, not in the cloud, but on a hard drive that you have control of. Questions and answers with people who lived this life firsthand one, two, or three generations ago. Ask them the tough questions. The tough questions. See, also on that same video when I asked her about the Great Depression, my grandmother had just landed a job as what they called a Friday girl in Dallas. She was standing 50 feet from the grassy knoll when JFK left this earth. There's some interesting comments in that conversation. Some limited information from that conversation. But if you don't have the originals, what you have should be questioned. I'm Jane Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast for Tell It Like It Is TV. Have a blessed day. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom.